If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. I want to bring a message to you today um, about how to walk in a fruitful Christian life. I just want to give you some practical tools. And um, I think we decided that I was going to wrap the message this morning. So, are you, no, I'm just kidding. I really wish I could. I would totally do that if I could. Um, and just so all of you CFNI students know, you can put your critique sheets away. It probably won't be all that homiletical. Uh, this isn't Dr. Holler's class anyway, so we're good. Um, I'm going to bring to you a word out of Acts 3, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It's a story that probably many of you are familiar with. And if you're not, hopefully you will be by the end of this message. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother, mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When I read this story, uh, it reminded me of this, this gentleman that is often on the square in McKinney. If you're from McKinney and you ever spend any time on the square, you might see him. He has cerebral palsy. And um, from what I understand, he spends a lot of time walking the square, and I'll see him in different stores or restaurants. But what, from what I understand, he lives in like the Melissa and Anna area. And the people, the store owners from the square will from time to time pick him up in the morning. They bring him to work with them, and he walks around the square, and sometimes the restaurant owners feed him, and he just hangs out there for the day. And then at the end of the day, they'll load him up and take him back home. They just are caring citizens who want this guy to have the best life possible in his condition, and I think that's great. I think that's great that a community of people would do that for somebody. And so this guy that um, is sitting at the temple gate it could have been a similar situation. There could have been somebody who just really cared for him to get to and fro uh, where he needed to go, being that he didn't have use of his legs. Or it could have been a situation where there's somebody taking advantage of this man and they bring him and let, leave him there uh, begging for alms because maybe they take a cut of it. Whatever the situation is, he's ended up here at the gate asking people for money. And um, back to verses 4 and 5. The things I want to share with you today and how to, uh, how to be more fruitful in your Christian walk is, number one, to respond, be able to respond to God. In verse 4, it says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, 
Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from him. Now, I can only imagine, just based on my own experience with beggars and watching how other people interact with them, most of the time, it's, a, it's the type of uh, environment where people are walking by quickly or they try not to make eye contact with the person who's begging for money. Um, and even if somebody does give them something just to make themselves feel better, they just kind of hand it to them quickly and walk away. They don't want to have a lot of interaction with these type of people. So I can imagine how excited this man must have been that not only does he have the attention of Peter and John, but they're calling for him to look at them. You know, he spends his day trying to get people to notice him and trying to pull on people's heartstrings and get their attention in one way or another. And here's a man who said, look at us. And so it says, the Bible says that he looked at them, he gave them his attention expecting to receive something. And I think that expectation was the key here. Even though he was expecting a financial offering of some kind, what he got was so much greater. But the first thing he did was he had to take his attention off of what all these others could do for him so that God could do something for him. He turned from what he was initially there for, which was try to pull on these people and get something from them, and it opened him up for God to do something in his life. We have to realize that God's putting people and opportunities in your path daily that he intends to use as a vessel of blessing. And sometimes it might even disrupt your daily routine. Sometimes you'll be going about your business that as you do every day. But I want to encourage you, look up. Look up. God will put people in situations in your path that are going to be a blessing to you. But you have to be able to look away from what your typical daily routine is to get a hold of it. Also, recognize that God may be bringing you a healing when what you've been looking for is a handout. God's ability is so much bigger than we sometimes give him credit for. You might think that you need one thing from him, but if you'll just open yourself up to the possibility, he'll just pour blessings out on you that you don't even have room enough to contain. His bigness astounds me. Um, Pastor Eric has a friend that he grew up with. He's my friend, too. A lot of you know him. It's Brian Sparks. He uh, is Pastor Terry in Sulphur Springs. It's his son. And before Brian got into full-time ministry, he was a firefighter and a paramedic. And he worked for um, a company doing that. And... um, he was talking about, he was giving us some crazy scenarios one day of the types of things he gets called out for, and I don't know, I don't remember any of them, but they were just nuts, the things that people will call emergency services for. And so Eric just asked him, he said, what would you say was the percentage of the calls that you respond to that are actual legitimate emergencies where someone actually needs your assistance? And he said probably four to five percent. And the rest of them is either something that they could have taken care of for themselves or wasn't necessarily an emergency. But humorous stories, just the same. But how many of you are glad that these guys called first responders respond to the situation without giving thought of whether or not it's a legitimate concern? They don't stop and think, 
okay, 96% of the people who call us don't really need us. Let me, let me find out a little more information about this case and see if it's something we should respond to. No, they don't do that. They just respond, and they wait until they get there to find out whether or not it was legitimate. But if the, it is a legitimate case, then they're there to offer the assistance that they're trained to do. So you have to stay willing to respond to God showing up on your behalf even if it doesn't look like you imagine, or even if it's not something that you expected. So responding to God is the first key. Second, you have to have the ability to receive from God. You have the ability to receive from God. What you have to do is get your faith out there and do it. Verse 7 says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. This was a man who was used to getting things. He would sit there, and his whole purpose in life was to get things from people. But what he did this day was he received. And what he received was so much greater than what he could have expected. I'm guessing that probably how he defined a good day up until this point was defined by how much money he brought home at the end of the day. Those of you that have ever waited tables or done anything like that, you know what that's like. A good day is defined by big tips, big givers. But at this point, all of his other good days were blown away because how many of you know that you will pay a dear price for health in your body? And, I mean, we have a huge bazillion-dollar industry in medicine based on this fact. People will pay what it takes to feel better and to walk in health. And you can receive it by faith from God. Um, you know, you know how much it costs to go to the doctor. You know how much it costs to stay in the hospital. And they can charge basically whatever they want because people will pay it to walk in health and wholeness. Your health and well-being is far more precious than money, but you can receive it by faith. You have access to supernatural health. Pastor Eric gives an illustration about radio waves, that they've always been there. And it was when we extended our reach and found them that we got to appreciate the benefits of it. And that's why we have radio stations. Those radio waves have always been there. But when we found them is when we realized that we could use them. You have the ability to receive forgiveness where there was shame. You have the ability to receive peace and joy where there's been depression. You have the ability to receive abundance where there was once lack. You have the ability to receive hope where there seemed to only be hopelessness. Trust God and receive what he has for you. Um, Hang on just a second. I have two brothers, and uh, both of them are very generous. They're both doctors. They do very well for themselves. They went to school for a really long time and did what it took to get to the position that they're in now. And they're both both very good to me. But one in particular has kind of made it his life mission that me and my children, my husband too, will not go without anything that we need or want. And it's really nice. It's really great. I try not to take advantage of it, but, uh, you know, once in a while I drop not-so-subtle hints. My kids are really bad about it. They, they think anything they want, they just pick up the phone and call their uncle, and they can have it. And it's usually true. But 
his generosity towards me is wonderful. And the fact that he's my brother is great. But I fully believe that God set this up. I believe that even when God put the generosity in my brother's heart and when he gave him the intelligence to accomplish what he's accomplished in the business world, that that was partially for me. I believe that he's created this vessel of blessing for me, and I see it as God blessing me through my brother rather than just the person because familiarity can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. Um, An example of that is if on CFNI's campus, Pastor John, Eric's dad, is like a celebrity. When you go there, just the fact that I have the last name Holler makes me kind of like a, I don't know, like a B-list celebrity or something. But the way that the people talk about him there is, is amazing. It's astounding. And I can look at it as, well, this is a man that I see in his wife beaters sitting in his living room picking at his feet. Or... <laughs> It's true. Hey, guys, I totally owe him. Come on. You know the things that he said about me from the pulpit. But I honor the man of God that Pastor John is because of who he is in my life and because I know the richness of the gifts that God's placed on the inside of him and I acknowledge him. So it doesn't take me to that place of seeing him in his recliner. I I can see why they say the things about him because I do acknowledge who he is as a man of God. So the fact that this resource that I have in my life is my brother doesn't mean that it doesn't come from God. And I acknowledge that that's God that's blessing me. Because the fact of the matter is the hand that lifted this man to his feet was Peter's hand, but the power was the power of God working through him. And it's, it's extremely important for you to receive all that God has for you. Sometimes we feel like we're being humble by not, not taking something that uh, God intended us for us to have. But real humility is surrendering to the fact that he wants us to have it. And therefore, I'm going to take it and use it and uh, put it to operation in my life. Go over to Acts 1, verse 8 really quickly with me. I think they'll put it on the screen. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, is where John and Peter received the power that was at work in chapter 3. This is where he received the power that was at work when he picked this guy up by the hand and he received the strength in his ankles and his feet. Had he not set himself up to receive from God, he would have not had the power to then pick this guy up and let him walk and and use his legs for the first time. So it's important that you receive everything God has for you because your ability to receive is not about you. God puts things in your life that are for those that you come in contact with. He's put ministry on the inside of you, and he's going to provide for that ministry. So you have to put your faith out there and take what he has for you because he's trusted you with a sphere of influence. Your coworkers and the people that you live by and all those people that you come in contact with, even your own children, he's going to give you the tools to minister to them. So you have to have your receivers out there. And finally, once you've uh, responded to God and you've received from him, 
reveal what God's done in your life. Go with me back to verse 8. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This young man demonstrated what God had done in his life. And all these people who had recognized him as this man who had never walked, he'd sat by the gate day after day after day without the ability to use his legs, was now revealing the power of God at work in his life. Make a point to reveal to others what God's doing in your life. There's nothing more powerful than a testimony, especially if you've come through and you're on the other side of something that maybe someone you know is going through. Reveal to them how God worked in your life. If God's restored your marriage, tell somebody who's having marriage problems. If he supernaturally canceled your debt, tell somebody who's having financial problems. Give them the keys. When you recognize what God's done in your life and you you tell others about it, it causes their faith to rise up and believe God for the same things. But also don't limit your life to these powerful signs and wonders. Here's where I'm going to reel you back in a little bit. Um, in, in Luke 10, verse 17, let me just read a couple of scriptures to you here in Luke 10. It says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus is... is telling these disciples, he said, I recognize that what you've done has been powerful uh, against the spirit of darkness. What you've done, casting out demons and the things that they had accomplished, yeah, these are all great things. But don't rejoice in these things because signs and wonders may not be something that you experience every day, but the love of Jesus is something that you're walking with every single day. So rejoice that that love was extended to you. Um, John 13, 34 through 36 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. There is power available to you. There is power to raise the lame and, and see them walk. But there's also love that was extended to you. God extended through his son Jesus the kind of love that you can extend to those that are around you. Um, and sometimes you will see those signs and wonders. Sometimes God will put people in your path. You'll get the opportunity to pray for them and see the miraculous happen. But on a regular basis, you can love those who God puts in your path and see the love of Jesus flow from your life into theirs. When people see your life as a believer, they ought to see something different. They ought to see somebody who loves unconditionally, who's not critical or judgmental, but loves people where they are. There's a multitude of people in this earth today that the world considers unlovable. 
And unfortunately, some of that's crept into the church. We even have church people who consider certain people types or people groups unlovable. And I just want to encourage you to extend the love that's been extended to you to all people because God will put every type of person in your path and will give you the opportunity to minister to them through love. And let me remind you that in John 13, verse 34, it says Jesus commanded us to love one another. That means love's not just a feeling. If he commanded us to do it, that means that we have the the ability to choose to love others. You know, one of the strengths of mine and Eric's marriage is that we decided almost 18 years ago when we got married that we were going to choose to love one another. There are days that we don't feel like we love each other. But when we decided to make that choice, we remind ourselves on those days, you know what, I chose to love you till the day I die. And I won't stray from that choice based on my feelings because we don't go by feelings. I was reading a story about a psychologist who um, was helping a woman who was having terrible marriage problems. She was married to a man that apparently was just wretched. She just couldn't see any way but just to get out of this marriage. And this psychologist advised this woman to go home and to treat her rotten, no-good husband as if he was the man of her dreams. He said, I'll show you how to get him. Go home and treat him as if you really love him admonish him, lift him up wherever's possible, find something good to focus on and talk about that thing, uh, and, and do great things for him. And at the very end, once he's completely convinced that you're head over heels in love with him, then you leave him. That'll show him. So this woman leaves the psychologist's office just pumped, ready to show this rotten, no-good husband and, and give him a piece of his own medicine. Yet when she goes home and she starts to do these things that you do when you choose to love somebody regardless of how you feel, at the end of the time, she realized that her feelings lined up with her actions and she didn't any longer want to leave this man that she had poured out all this affection and attention on. And the reason that this story stood out to me is because years ago I read a book that was similar by a Christian woman who was married to a man who had a lot of issues. He had a lot of addictions. Um, He abused her. And one morning, she woke up after he had come home completely messed up on something and had beaten her up so badly, almost to death, I believe, if I remember correctly. And she woke up, and she saw him laying in the recliner, passed out. And what she wanted to do was kill him. She really did. And the Lord began to speak to her, and she began to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he told her, go put on his favorite dress. Go make him his favorite breakfast. And now gently wake him up with the kind of love that you would expect a wife would show a wonderful husband. And she did these things. And this is what changed him. From that moment forward, he never drank, uh, never took any more drugs. He never abused her again, and their lives were completely transformed by that act of her just responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It just goes to show you the power of love. When you just decide to love somebody, what it can do for that person.
So I just want to encourage you this morning to to walk in the fruitful life that God has for you. Respond to God when he's speaking to you or he's putting an opportunity in front of you that he's trying to get blessing to you and receive what it is that he has for you. Receive whatever it is. He wants you to be healthy in your body. He wants you to be uh, without lack. He wants you to be abundantly blessed above all you could ask or think so that you can be a blessing to others. And then reveal to others what God's done for you. When they see something in your life that is appealing to them, or they see how you treat others, uh, regardless of how you're treated, reveal to them that that's the power of the love of God that he's given you, and that's how you're able to do that. Bow your heads for a moment. There may be some of you here that say, yeah, that all sounds good, but I don't know that I've ever been able to respond to anything that God said for me because I don't feel worthy or, or maybe uh, I've always just had a mindset that that was for somebody else and not for me. Or maybe it's that you've wanted to respond to God, but you don't feel like there's ever been anything for you to receive. I just want to invite you this morning to pray with me because I believe that you'll be on the other side of this and you'll soon be revealing to others what God's doing in your life. Father, I just thank you for those that are here that have come to hear your word. And Father, I just thank you right now that you're working on their behalf. Lord, that you give them the peace that passes all understanding no matter what situation or circumstance they're facing. But Lord, that they hear your voice and they see those things that you've put in front of them as opportunities, Lord, that they would respond to them. Father, and that would just be the beginning, that they would be able to receive all that you have for them. Lord, I thank you that you're leading each and every one of them into an abundant life, a fruitful life. And Father, not only will they get to live that fruitful life, but they will be able to minister to those around them. Lord, it's, it's my prayer that each and every one of us will be able to affect those that we come in contact with daily, Lord. That you would get our attention in our daily lives, Lord, and show us those around us who need something that we can get to them. Father, I thank you right now that each person here will begin to be more effective as a Christian, Lord. That we will grow, the seed of the word will be in our, planted in our lives and create a great harvest. Lord, that we would be people that love others and draw them to you because of the love we have for them. Thank you, Father, that every household represented here would be blessed abundantly above all they could ask or think, that there would be overflow, that they would have enough to bless those that they come in contact with. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.